the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and we have another great show. We have another great show. There'll be a lot to cover. We will cover it all together, including an interview with Neil Monroe of Breitbart.com. The guy's on fire covering the questions surrounding immigration, migration, all kinds of things. And he has a piece from a few days ago that I asked him to come on and talk about, which is in the massive $3.5 trillion, and it's really $5 trillion um, reconciliation bill. There was amnesty for illegals. That got removed by the parliamentarian, said you can't do that one. But there is all sorts of other changes that impact migration and effectively immigration broadly uh, that are we're talking tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of immigrants being let in immediately. So we'll talk with Neil Monroe from Breitbart about that. We'll also get an update from Tammy Nichols. Tammy Nichols, and this is a great segue to what you need to know today. Tammy Nichols, of course, our friend who serves in the Idaho legislature, amazing lady, uh, small business owner. I think she has seven children. Um, she she looks like she's about 35. She's I think she might be closer to 55, but she looks she's a wonderful presence leader former Eagle leader now in the legislature, she got suspended from Facebook and she doesn't know why. I mean, she's a pretty hard-nosed conservative, but she doesn't know why. And it's about a week suspension she got back out, which brings us to Facebook. The question you have to ask is, does Facebook suspend people who are uh, not conservative or are not, uh, you know, kind of uh, on the right side of the aisle? I, I don't know the answer to that. There probably are some kooks on the far left, but it seems like a lot of good folks that should be otherwise on uh, Facebook without a problem get suspended, get knocked off, whatever else, including the president of the United States when he was president, Donald Trump. So in the last, um, what, you need, what you need to know today, what you need to know, this is it. The narrative machine is in full effect to try to convince the American people to tell them the truth of the problem of Facebook and how to fix it. And it's all a setup. Okay, so watch how this played out over the last few days. You probably saw the coverage. You saw Facebook. There was a whistleblower. Oh, my gosh, a whistleblower. Wow. What a what a thing. A whistleblower from Facebook. Well, the woman that's a whistleblower did. I think she graduated college in Iowa, did a Harvard MBA and worked at Facebook for two years. In some kind of division that had something to do with, I don't know, integrity or, or uh, <clears throat> citizenship or something. And she, she quit after her job was eliminated, her department was eliminated, which is a bit of a telltale. When you get your job gets eliminated, usually you're laid off and then you're bitter and now you become a, a whistleblower. But more importantly, she's being handled, managed, instructed on the niceties of public relations by not the greatest PR system, uh, company in the world, because there are those that exist, not one of the big names you'd know, but a total left-wing guy named Bill Burton, who was an Obama guy. Now, you could say, well, but the Obama guys, weren't they really good PR? Not really. The first batch in the campaign in 2008 were. After that, it was a mess. And frankly, they did a terrible job for Obama. He was terrible at all, but he just thought he should say, I'm Obama, leave me alone. I'm great. Bill Burton is a total insider Democrat leftist hack. And he is the Sherpa bringing this woman around, this whistleblower. So she's a Democrat. I think we know that now. She's given to Democrats. She's left-leaning. And by the way, the incredible thing about her story, which has been packaged up and delivered to who? Remember the narrative machine? Big tech, big media, big government, big media. The Wall Street Journal has the first break of the great Facebook whistleblower. 
And she talks about how she was, you know, she was for Facebook. And then she saw that some people are drawn into Facebook and they become her friend. He became really right wing. He really got drawn in like a Trump supporter. And that turned her. She said, I can't we can't travel. This is all misinformation. This person has been corrupted. Wall Street Journal. On Sunday night, 60 Minutes. Unbelievable. So here's big media setting it all up, right? Giving people the appearance of something that isn't true. Whatever she is, I just don't know that I believe Wall Street Journal and and 60 Minutes, how they portray it. Here's where it gets interesting. Immediately after, Tuesday morning, the U.S. Senate, big government. Remember, big narrative machine is big tech, big media, big government. So the first part, big media, Wall Street Journal, 60 Minutes. Second part, big uh, government. The Senate, U.S. Senate, calls this woman before it, has these incredible hearings. Wow, there she is. She's, she's very bright-eyed, and she's, you know, she's got well-dressed, uh, well, uh, serious woman, and she's got all these great points, and she's really well-prepared. And here comes Senator Dick Blumenthal, Danang Dick, as he's called, the guy that said he was in Vietnam fighting as a Marine and never left uh, the shores of America for 25 years, he said it, and finally got caught in the lie. But there he is, and he's saying, whoa, wow, this is unbelievable. And the Republicans join in. Oh, wow, this is terrible. Instagram is bad for girls. Facebook can be harmful for people. Wow. This is amazing. So now you got big tech, excuse me, big media, big government together. The narrative machine is about two thirds done. And here's where it gets rich. The solution that the whistleblower is offering and the senators, both parties are tripping over themselves to agree to is that, oh my goodness, we have to stop the bad speech that corrupts people, that makes your friend become a right-wing lunatic or hurts girls. We must, we must, big government, help stop bad speech. We'll be the ones that say what the speech is. We'll be the ones that control it. And here's how we'll do it. We'll take away the the 230, section 230 uh, uh, protection, and we'll make it so that these Facebook and Google and others have to police the bad speech. They have to get the bad speech to stop. And the woman sat there, this whistleblower. She says, we need a special agency where someone like me can go to grad school at Harvard Business School, then go to work in one of these companies and then move into one of these regulatory agencies and regulate the content. Big tech, big government, big media now has the, the, the whole thing wrapped up. What they've said and what you need to know is. We're going to solve the problem that we are showing you is a problem. And by the way, I'm not disputing it's a problem. Instagram is terrible, especially for kids. Facebook is not healthy, but not because of what they're saying in this thing, not because of the speech they don't like. It's because the algorithms and how they use addiction to addict people to this process to make them crazy. But that's beside the point. Here's what they've got now is they've got it all teed up, the narrative machine, so that we can solve it. We can increase the power of big government and the unity of big tech. And when it comes down to it, the other part of this that's so important to the big tech people is don't start a conversation of breaking up Facebook, say, spinning off Instagram, making it survive on its own, deal with its own problems. Facebook deal with its own. Don't break up Google, YouTube and the alphabet soup that is all that stuff. Don't break that up. No, no. Big tech says, just let us fix what's going on. And so and here's the real trick box. If you and I, if, you, if five of us start our own platform, let's do a search engine. Let's start a uh, social media network. We won't have the horsepower, the money, the ability, the influence 
to try to deal with the regulatory framework. We won't have a thousand lawyers like Facebook has. We won't have 10,000 employees like Google has. We won't have the ability to hire people to manage the regulatory burden that will be created, but wait for it, by, Senate, by the Senate and the House and the president and given to bureaucrats. And you know who will have the ability to influence the bureaucrats and the Senate and the House and the White House? Google, Alphabet, Facebook, Twitter to some extent. So you see the trap. The trap has been set to capture the American people in this narrative that, oh, yeah, it's terrible. There's a whistleblower. She's managed the whole time by the Democrats to fulfill a Democrat goal, which is more control over speech. I can assure you in a week where the, the Department of Justice is stating that it will go and make sure that the speech of parents at school board meetings, school board meetings don't get violent. Just saying it out loud has a has a has a and the effect of uh, of silencing or at least, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, giving people pause that in a week where that happens, you don't think that this kabuki theater that's been engineered by the narrative machine is not set up to deliver exactly what they want, which is more control over speech and target the speech they don't like, whether it's January 6th, Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, it'll pro-lifers. Remember back when they did, they, by the way, they tried this dry run back in the day after the Tea Party. They said people had don't have, have don't tread on me signs on their car. Those people are suspect. They are seriously suspect. We got to worry about them. That's what they did 10 years ago, 11 years ago, 12, 11 years ago. And they had those fusion centers where they put out the word, if you got pro-life stickers, could be a real problem, could be on a watch list. What you need to know is the Facebook Kabuki Theater is the narrative machine at work like you've seen it in the January 6th hoax, like you've seen it in the big lie of the 2020 election, like you've seen it Russia hoax, fine people hoax in Charlottesville, drinking bleach hoax, all of them. But this one is a really dangerous, well, they're all dangerous, but this one is a really good one, <clears throat> excuse me, in the sense that, and it's not good, and I'm saying it's a really well done one, meaning that they're trying to grab more power to control speech. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. And the, the Facebooks of the world and the Google YouTubes of the world and the others are saying, we better make a deal with the devil we know, the devil we can control, rather than have to deal with true regulation or antitrust breakup or anything else. Remember, that's what Trump's people were doing, was looking to break them up. And that's what you need to know. All right, we got to take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the Daily Wink. What you need to know comes in your email box each morning at 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific time. Be right back. Ed Martin, Pro-America Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Haven't had him on in a little while. i got to do better on this. Neil Monroe is over at Breitbart.com, and he writes really good stuff. I read him pretty frequently. Just haven't uh, remembered to go ahead and say, hey, uh, come on over and come on the show. And he's got a piece up. This is one of the things I hate about what's happening in, uh, well, in a lot of things. But media doesn't cover what's going on. And so you don't even know some of what's happening. And there's a piece that he has from a day or two ago, actually. Um, and uh, it's what's in the actual $3.5 trillion bill. One piece that's in there, no one's talking about. And I will get into why, in my opinion. I've got an opinion why. Uh, so welcome, Neil Monroe. How are you, sir? Welcome back to the program. Delighted to be here. So I, I live and breathe this stuff. I love writing about immigration for Americans. Right. 
because there's so right. much in the budget that Americans don't know because other reporters are not hired to cover it. They don't want to cover it. They want to write stories about children coming over the border and mean right. border patrol guys and horses. No, I want to follow the money because that's what matters so much. Right. And we're talking again with Neil Monroe. He's an editor and a reporter over Breitbart News, Breitbart.com. Neil, tell me about this piece, the one that caught my attention that's so important for people to realize. It's not $3.5 trillion in this massive bill. It's really $5 trillion or more. But it's also a, mil- a gazillion, not a million, a gazillion changes to the law. Tell us about the one that you wrote about a few days ago uh, that deals with migration. Not even illegal right. immigration, but migration. Yeah, your readers should have heard about the big fuss where Democrats were trying to sneak three or four amnesties through the reconciliation bill. That push got mm-hmm. stopped by the parliamentarian, largely began. So it's that's kind of stopped, kind of. Right. Fine. But the parliamentarian didn't stop some other immigration measures. And there's two of them, and they're both very important. And I'm reading the bill. And I and I see these obscure references and sections and discussions, and I know what they mean because I've spent 10 years in this business. So one of them right. says they're going to basically they're going to accelerate the inflow of chain migrants. Okay, at the moment there's four million foreigners waiting on a gigantic line around the world to come to America. Their relatives are here. Right. They put them on the chain migration list. But you can only bring, say, 250,000 or so in a year. Fine. But what the Democrats are doing is removing the limits on the on the line. They're saying everybody who's in the line now can come in immediately. Not as green card people, by the way, but as a new kind of soon-to-be green card people. So, well, okay, what happens when you bring in 3 million people into this country? Let's just say each group, or they're all in five-member families, that's 600,000 families. What happens when you right. bring in 600,000 families into an economy where housing prices are already going up? Housing prices mm-hmm. are going to go through the roof. That's one measure. Mm-hmm. And, of course, by the way, you know perfectly well that many insiders in Washington who've invested in the stock market, in, ve- in real estate, would be uh, delighted to see all the customers flood into the coastal states. California, New York, right. Texas, Florida. They, they're not going, these 600,000 families, by the way, are not going to go to Nebraska or Montana or Tennessee or Kentucky. Instead, when they get here, they're going to jack up rent and real estate prices in the coastal states. So that means the coastal states are going to get richer and they're going to care even less about people who are not from those states. Fine. The second thing, arguably bigger, says, like, you know, you can't understand this unless you really know the stuff. It says it right. lifts the cap on Section 6001 and Section 60002. What does that mean? What it actually right. means is that it will allow companies to stop hiring American graduates. Instead, they can go to India, China, Europe, South America, anywhere in Asia, and say, okay, guys, come to me and agree to work as an accountant in the United States. I'll pay you very little by American standards, say $30,000, enough to keep you out of the gutter. But after 10 years or so, I'm going to give you the biggest prize on the planet. 
a green card and citizenship from the American government. I'm going to pay you with money from the government so that I don't have to hire an American graduate. So that way, these companies will be able to hire their white-collar workforce from overseas. And all those young Americans who worked hard, studied hard, went into debt to get technical and non-technical degrees can go gather at the local hardware store and bid for $5 an hour <laughs> labor jobs. And this is not just for software people, right. not just for engineer people. It's for everything. Therapists, accountants, designers, salesmen, marketing people, any science, laboratory technicians, not scientists. Um, but you basically anybody who wears a white collar, basically, anyone who needs a degree to get it, who has it, who got a degree to get a job. I'm not hmm. kidding you. It's in there. It's an amazing thing. But it, what it does is it's a continuation of a current process. There's a roughly, more likely, at least one million foreign visa workers, you could call them contract workers, who are holding white collar right. jobs and they work long hours for low wages under terrible conditions. They have to work on the weekends. They have to work 12 hours, 15, no hours that way, 20, 16 hours Sunday. They have no legal rights. And they accept these terrible circumstances because at the end, they're going to get a green card. And a green card means everybody in their family gets to escape India or Asia or Indonesia or China. All their children are Americans. All their children's children are Americans. All their children's children's children. It's an amazing thing that companies can pay foreign workers with slices of American citizenship. You Americans think, well, I'm a citizen. I, I feel good. I've got citizenship. It's the most important thing in the world. I can go anywhere in the world. The American government, when you're asleep, is slicing off parts of your citizenship and giving them out to foreign right. workers so they work cheap for America <clears throat> for international companies. It's it's basically uh, it, it's, investors so, so, selling your right. Yeah. We're talking with Neil Monroe, uh, Breitbart.com, and uh, Neil. Uh, uh, those examples you just gave, and I'm going to put this story up there. The other part of this story, the next part of it, is both parties are for this, right? I mean, it, 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 even even if you were able to shame uh, both parties into dropping the amnesty because the parliamentarian did it, you know, in other words, there was too much attention on it. Both parties allow this, right? I mean, this is a this is the, the swamp of both parties that are happy to, right. and the reason is because it's the big businesses, it's the corporate dollars that, that want this kind of action, right? Yeah, and again, it's not some sort of crude bribery, a suitcase full of cash or anything like that. No, it's the environment. This is what you get in the swamp. And so the Democrats have almost admitted that they support this measure because in an exchange, the companies are going to strong arm the Republicans into okaying an amnesty. So that way, the Democrats would get millions of new voters and political power, while the Democrats while the business guys would get millions of cheap workers and high profits. That's the hidden deal. Now, you'd think the Republicans would pick up a fight. After all, every Republican senator lost their job on January 6th because of immigrants. Immigrants right. had moved into Virginia. They boosted the Democratic turnout just enough to win those two seats. Those two seats gave the Democrats power in the Senate. 
and every Republican in the majority, every committee leader, committee chairman, vice chairman, they all lost their jobs. They're now minority members. So they, too, are sharing the pain of this labor migration, which Americans overwhelmingly object to labor migration. They like immigrants. They kind of like the idea of immigration. They kind of like the bogus claim of a nation of immigrants. But no, <laughs> they do not like yeah. labor migration to kick people out of jobs. So now the Republicans are learning that all those, they sold out all their American voters years ago by waving in more and more migrants, especially mm. under George Bush. And now they are losing their jobs too. Ha, ha, ha. But yeah. the Republicans are not fully engaged against cheap labor migration because they're reliant on the dollars. they reliant on the donations and their staffers fully expect that if they avoid any, and if they don't annoy the donors, then they'll get good jobs as lobbyists and working for the Fortune 500. And so there's a sort of massive incentive among the Republican side to don't pay attention to what's going on behind the curtain. Don't look at the immigration issue mm. because it's so ugly and so messy and so unpopular that if I look there, I learn all sorts of bad things. And then I won't get a good job in the uh, lobbying firms after a couple of years with Senator so-and-so. So it's a kind of structural thing where the Republicans yeah. don't fight hard, even though they suffer from immigration, too. And the Democrats are perfectly willing to sell Americans down the river, in large part because the Democrats consist mostly of progressives, and they believe they're right and about society. And every time an American disagrees with them, the progressives are like religiously offended. It's like a sin against the world order, the nature of things right. for an American with a beard <laughs> and a pot belly to disagree with this Yale graduate. It's a grotesque form yeah. of classicism. They hate it, and therefore they hate you. And they're willing to send uh, you Neil, and your children down the river. Neil Monroe, uh, Breitbart.com. One last question real quick. I noticed uh, a little while ago you had, a, you had another piece. I think it's uh, uh, 11% of Americans that were polled appro strongly approve of Biden's uh, handling the migration and amnesty. Uh, more broadly, is the bottom falling out on Biden because of immigration, in your opinion? I have to be careful. The 11% is 11% of people who strongly support him on immigration. That means right. when they go into the ballot box, they say, he's good on immigration, I'm going to vote for him. On the other right. side... 44% strongly oppose him. 44 is not enough. 44 is basically the Republican base. No, uh, I'm aiming for 50, I 60, 70% strong opposition because Washington, in the mm. form of the Democrats and Wall Street, will sell your children down the river to raise stock prices this year. And so I'm looking mm. for 60 or 70% strong opposition. I mean, we may get there. Yeah, there's enormous yeah. pressure on Americans to go along with the whole nation of immigrants myth. This country was never a nation of immigrants. It's a country that accepted immigrants. It's a country that has invited immigrants to live with them. But it has never been a country of immigrants. It has always been a country of Americans who invite immigrants, who accept immigrants. Yeah. But they wish to turn yeah. the country into a no-name country, into a nothing country, a country where there's no culture, right. there's no rules, where everybody's divided against each other. 
that's what they think when they yeah. think nation of immigrants. Well, and that and, no. and 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 what I would say, what I would say, Neil, is like my my family. I this game, everything's referential to yourself. My family, 120 years ago, came over from Ireland, came to America. You you didn't stay Irish. You might talk about being Irish American, but you you became part of the American uh, ethos. Yeah. Now we welcome and people here. Now we welcome people here, and they're never. It's not actually. It's not their fault. The the school system, the media, everything else doesn't even try to make them American. They try to let them right. stay hyphenated so people say oh his grandfather came here so he's an immigrant too no once <laughs> you eat the mcdonald's once you're here you're an american <laughs> yeah. you can't go yeah. back and yeah and yeah. therefore you have equal status but what they want to do is to say this country is a mix uh just a mix up of all sorts of crazy people they have no voice they have no culture. They right. have no power except what we decide. That's what they want. Right. The, the diversity yeah. means division, means means rule, divide and rule. And Americans yeah. can't allow that. Yeah, can't allow it. All right, Neil, I got I got to run, unfortunately. Neil Monroe on Twitter. He is, excuse me, at Neil Monroe DC. That's N-E-I-L Monroe with no E on the end of Monroe. At, excuse me, at Neil Monroe DC. And of course, the best place to go is Breitbart.com. All of his writings there. Thanks, Neil. We'll talk again very soon. Thank you. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Our next guest is Tammy Nichols, our frequent guest. She is, of course, serves in the Idaho House of Representatives. She's a longtime friend of the late Phyllis Schlafly and mine, uh, works on a lot of issues. But apropos the news out of Washington that Facebook is mean and nasty, according to a whistleblower, Tammy, uh, you got suspended from Facebook? I, what a, you're such a sweet a mom, a small business owner. What, what could you have done that got you suspended from Facebook? Exactly. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> Facebook has told me that they're for freedom of speech and that they're for, you know, people getting their thoughts and ideas out there, but apparently it's very selective. So, yeah, I got um I got put into Facebook jail. Um I don't know how I've how I've managed not to be in there this whole time, I guess now, but um yeah, I basically I posted a link, you know, uh, Project Veritas came out with their their videos, their undercover videos that they were doing on on uh, Pfizer and, and a bunch of the, the pharmaceutical stuff on the vaccines. And so I thought that information was really important. I didn't even say anything about it. I just posted the link. And evidently, that was enough to uh, to get me put into Facebook jail for, for a little bit. So, <laughs> but I got out. Did you get out. Did, Yeah, I was going to say, what, what, how'd, you, how'd you get out? Do you know how you got out? You didn't know how you got in, but did you know how you got out? Yeah. Well, you know, they tell you that, that you violated their community standards, but they don't tell you what those community standards happen to be. Um, and then you're able to dispute it and you click the button to dispute it, but then nothing ever happens after that. There's nothing for you to say or no one contacts you or, or anything. And, <laughs> right. and keep in mind that I was, I was in there for a week. So there was, you know, ample time to be able to do so. But, um, yeah, so you don't know why you're in there for sure. And you, you, there's no way for you to, to, you know, have due process of any kind. So you just kind of have to stay there and, and figure out, you know, other other means or, or 
get messages through other people to be able to still get your message out. Um, so yeah, so I got in there, um, and then you know the the twenty four hours came, and then the the hours started counting down. And, uh, and then I was down to like 30 minutes because <laughs> you can actually wow. click and watch your time as you're going through the process. <laughs> and wow. So, so, you know, when you're going to get out, but in between, you know, there's nothing else that happens. So then they, they did finally let me out, but I'm sure, I'm sure there's a, a red mark against my name somewhere there. <laughs> somewhere. But maybe now they're already somewhere. You know, a race though. So. Yeah. Well, exa- exactly. Although, you know, you know, the thing is, we're talking with, again with Tammy Nichols uh, serves in the uh, legislature in Idaho. When you watch the uh, I did I did my opening segment on this and I, I'll send it to you for your thoughts to, uh, to listen to. But, um, you know, when you listen to uh, when you watch uh, Congress up there. So Wall Street Journal and 60 Minutes run profiles of this whistleblower from Facebook and they make her seem like she's, you mm-hmm. know, the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then they then sure. the Congress immediately puts her up, puts her up in front of Congress and they make her seem like the greatest things since sliced bread and then they, they ultimately she says the solution is that we um, ask Facebook to be held liable for the content of people posting on their page and and, and the way to get ch- changing 230 and the way to get around that is Facebook will start regulating and guess who they regulate who the government is going to tell them is bad speakers so it, it, in right, other words you're, sure. you're and and yeah, and so Facebook is going to now have to work with the government, but they've shown a pretty good ability to get in good with the government. I mean, they, they seem to own the Biden mm-hmm. administration, and then and then mm-hmm. and then nobody else can try to get in the game because if you and Tammy Nichols and Ed Martin start their own parlor, we can't even we can't hire people fast enough to fight through the government regulations. So it protects yeah, a monopoly it and it allows it them to control speech because there's no liberals that are getting silenced, as far as I can tell. Can you see any? No, no, there really isn't. And, you know, and I think we still have to get back to the whole thing on, you know, is Facebook a, a publisher or are they a platform? We still haven't even decided that yet. And if they're functioning, right. they can only function as one under the law. And if they're not functioning as the one that they're supposed to be functioning under, which is a platform, then then they they should lose all the all the government benefits that they are getting um, because they are functioning as both a platform and a publisher at this time. They are they are are already deciding what kind of speech and and who can say what um, you know and and remove those that they don't agree with um, you know and that's why this whole like little shutdown thing was was interesting and then the whistleblower coming out I mean I think it's all smoke and mirrors and I think uh, you know that they are going to try to get um, in really good with the government and and work with the government to be able to um, continue to take away our First Amendment rights. Yeah, I mean, again, what I was going to say, you know, I realized, as I said that, there, I guess there are maybe some liberals. I'm thinking of like the NBA, the African-American NBA players that are otherwise liberals who don't want to be vaccinated. And they, they do. They may silence them. That may be the only category. That's the only yeah. category you can actually be, right. quote unquote, liberal on there. All right. Give us an update on Idaho. When we when last we talked a few months ago, you were fighting critical race theory and the education. You had a lieutenant governor who was challenging the governor because uh, the governor had been so off base on lockdowns and, and uh, shutdowns and masks and everything. What's happening in Idaho right now? 
Yeah, so so since we talked last, um, we had a group of, of legislators. So the House is still in session. The Senate is not. But we were, we've been trying to get our, our House members back into into the Capitol because we do have, um, you know, legislation that needs to be addressed. And we do have issues that are taking place, um, you know, both on the on the state level and on the federal level that we need to deal with. So there was a group of us that did go back to the Capitol. Um, we weren't able to establish a Corn, but what we did is we had asked for people to bring their their bill ideas so they've had drafted uh, that uh, have to do with the mandate so that we could go through those and they could explain it because nobody's even been able to talk to anyone about any of the issues that are going on and so people do have ideas they do have um, bills that they have prepared uh, to address the issues and so uh, that's what we did and and we did a press conference we um, went back down to the Capitol floor and into the House and uh, went through the bills that, that everybody brought with them. And so, mm. you know, that was really good. And, and what that did is that triggered um, the establishment, some of the leadership, uh, to have to to take another step. And so we have a federalism committee. Now, we don't know if they're a dual federalism or cooperative federalism committee, but they're a federalism committee. And uh, and they um, got put back into um, to meeting together to address the the federal mandate. Now, of course, that doesn't do anything with what's happening in our state in regards to the hospitals and the nurses and all that sort of stuff. It only addresses the federal level issues that are going on. And uh, Mm -hmm. so I had the opportunity with four um, other legislators to be able to present my bill um, idea in front of the federalism committee. Now, unfortunately, I think everything was already kind of decided before the federalism uh, committee finished up. Um, I call them appeasement mm-hmm. meetings, appeasement committees, because they're just to appease <laughs> right. the public. Um, that you know, we're right. doing something, but everything's already been predetermined. So only one bill was was um, recommended to move forward and um, and it's it's addressing the, the federal issues, but it's very, very milk toast, very vanilla. And unfortunately mm-hmm. still doesn't accomplish what needs to be addressed on the state level. Uh, my bill does both. And it's actually a, a privacy bill um, to protect your your right to privacy on on your health information. So anyway, so we're we're I'm fine tuning that bill a little bit more now. And um, there's a ch- a good chance that we're probably going to be back into the Capitol before the end of this month. So uh, we're just trying to get our bills ready just in case um, because we want to have those those prepared and ready to go um, if we're able to get back into the Capitol. Uh, on a on a fun note though, our governor did leave the state again. He um, went to go take a tour at the border. And so our lieutenant governor was able to step in to, to fill uh, in that position. And she did go ahead and, and issue an executive order um, to uh, address the um, some of those mandates and especially uh, oh, really? passports. Yeah. And having to um, be forced, um, you know, for, for shots or anything like that. Now the governor immediately, uh, you know, she, she put that out on her Twitter and immediately the, the governor put a Twitter post out saying that he would resend anything that she did when he got back. So, so there we are again. Um, you know, she did that with a mask last time that he left. And uh, and then he feels that he can just um, take away her constitutional abilities when when it is her turn to act as as governor. Um, but she um, she went ahead and did it anyway, and we appreciate her continuing her efforts and in, in trying to do that. So, and we're talking with Tammy Nichols again uh, up in Idaho. Uh, Tammy, what about um, the uh, heartbeat bill? 
and there are the pro-life movement up there. Uh, I, I, it feels like Idaho should be like one of the leaders in pro-life. T- tell me where you are on the pro-life stuff. You know, you would hope that um, everybody, everybody here in Idaho, you know, uh, says they're they're pro-life. Um, we did pass a heartbeat bill. It was not the version that I had put together um, prior. Uh, they took my bill and um, really watered it down, changed a lot of stuff in it. And so it really has no function. It, it has a lot of provisions in it that rely on either overturning Roe versus Wade or, or different things along those lines. So none of it actually will take effect. Um, so it's, it's kind of right. one of those feel-good bills, you know, that, hey, we passed pro-life legislation, but it really doesn't do anything. Um, I would, I would like to, you know, get back in and actually um, do what Texas did and and be able to just go in and and um, and put put a bill that actually has teeth to it. And so I am going to look into that for for our next session. All right. Well, Tammy Nichols, thank you as always. I'm glad you're out of Facebook jail. We'll see if you last long. I thank bet you. you won't. But uh, what can you do? You know, I mean, it's uh, it's part right. of the price of being out there away. these days. Yeah, exactly. All right. Excuse me. Hey, Tammy, remind me, it's not in front of me. What's your website for people to find out more about you that are listening? Yeah. Nicholsforidaho.com. And it's F-O-R. Nicholsforidaho.com. for Idaho.com. Nicholsforidaho.com. Thank you. Sorry, I didn't have it in front of me. I couldn't find it. I was flipping through here. No All right, worries. we'll talk again soon. Tammy Tammy Nichols, everybody. Uh, Nicholsforidaho.com. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, grassroots activist, author of 27 books, and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Now... Here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. A common theme among American socialists is that capitalism is a system that exploits the little guy for the benefit of the wealthy. These socialist freedom fighters paint a picture of Ebenezer Scrooge refusing to put more coal in the furnace before going into the back room to count his endless stacks of money. While the mental picture may be captivating, it's far from an accurate portrayal of what capitalism looks like in practice. Free market capitalism has the ultimate system of checks and balances. It gives power to customers, employers, and employees. The customer gets to choose a product or service based on what is most beneficial for him. He rewards the producer of that good or service by paying him for it. The employer gets to choose the quality and price of the product as well as the wage he is willing to pay employees. However, if he slacks on the quality of a product or refuses to pay a decent wage to his employees, he's going to have problems. The employee has the power to choose an employer based on what is most beneficial for himself and his family. If no employer offers him the wage or hours he wants, the employee can choose instead to start his own business and become an employer himself. Like any other economic system, capitalism does not turn society into a spotless utopia. As long as we live in a fallen world, which we do, there will always be problems. However, capitalism is the system that is most conducive to providing a beneficial outcome for customers, employers, and employees. Those that are willing to serve others rise to the top, while those that try to cheat others or refuse to work hard will naturally get left behind. America has prospered precisely because of our deeply rooted tradition of trusting the free market economy to pick winners and losers. The more we flirt with government intervention in the economy the more we risk losing the prosperity we have so long enjoyed. The next time you hear a socialist lamenting the alleged evils of capitalism, 
make sure they know that capitalism actually offers the most attractive system of checks and balances to benefit everyone. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For the U.S. economy to flourish, free enterprise needs to be rewarded. Competition and capitalism need to be encouraged. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find alerts and strategies for strengthening our economy and standing against socialism. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. We're out of time today, out of time, but I do want to uh, tell you about something. Maybe I'll preview it today and I'll cover it tomorrow, but I could get to it now. Um, you know who I, you know, a man I admire is Coach Lou Holtz, the old Notre Dame football coach. Well, the news came out the other day that when he was coach at Notre Dame, he looked back in a history book and he saw uh, on the a wall in the history book a sign that said that read the words play like a champion today. And he instructed one of the uh, people who worked with him at the um, at the uh, Notre Dame athletic department to create a sign that said play like a champion today. And he put the sign at the bottom of the stairs as the players went out to the field and they would go down the steps and they would hit their hand on it. And it's a famous, it's been there now for almost 30 years. Well, it turns out he saw that in a, in a, uh, in a Notre Dame uh, history book or a Notre Dame book. And, uh, and he just got the trademark on it. He and some Notre Dame football players, because they're selling shirts and hats and everything else. And so they uh, wanted to do that. And they, I think they do give some of the donation to and back to Notre Dame. Uh, but amazingly, Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Sooners football team used a similar sign back in the 40s, maybe. And so nobody's fighting over the trademark, uh, but there was some grumbling. And the best line of all was Barry Switzer said, the old Oklahoma football coach, he said, who cares? I think he said something more colorful. Who cares? Uh, let's just win football games or something like that. So anyway, I love Lou Holtz. It is a great uh, statement and it's uh, great motivation. And he's a great guy. So uh, uh, that's that. All right. Thank you, as always, to Noah Dingley, our great uh, producer, and uh, Joanna, who helps us book guests. And it's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. We'll be back tomorrow. I will talk to you then. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.